Greetings, everyone, and welcome to what I really th hope, think, is going to be episode 161 of Cinema Effect, I think. Is it not a bonus episode? Because we're not doing, like, news chat on that. No, but I sort of just am taking it the same way as, um, oh, this is a good question now around all our branding stuff. Yeah, I'm sort of I'm sort of taking it as a many sense of Newick scenario where that was a numbered episode and we still did highlights. You know? mm, okay, okay. Yeah, that's tricky. Um, I'm Zach, and I'm joined by the Roman to my Kendall, Ooh, the uh, okay. the Greg to my Tom. Mm. Mm, I don't know about that. All right. Mm. Uh, hello. How do you feel about these? If it is to be said, so so it be. So it is. <laughs> so so it be. <laughs> Oh, Greg sucks, man. It's so funny. I was considering saying the Roman to my Jerry, because you send me some dick pics sometimes. I know you do. All right. You know. Yeah, I, I yeah, feel like, mm, Of course. Of course. I feel like Jaden's a bit of a Roman, potentially. You reckon? Yeah? Mm. Oh, Jaden Jaden would find Roman hilarious, I think. I mean, I mean, a lot of people do, but like, I feel like especially Jaden, he'd like really dig Roman, I think. Mm. He'd be into That's him. a good point. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we usually review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. This week, it's a television program by the name of Succession, season four. The series finale aired in the US on May 28th, 2023. Um, the showrunner for this program was Jesse Armstrong. It is a drama comedy on IMDb. Fitzy, you need to weigh in on this. Drama comedy. Oh, drama comedy. Dramedy. What is this show, man? Mm, no, I feel like it's healthy balance of, of both. Um, I mean, the earlier yeah. seasons definitely are more comedy, but there's still dramatic shit going on, you know, so it's hard to say. Yeah. But it's yeah. a very funny drama, I guess. Right. I, I totally agree with that. If it's anything to me, it's drama. It's just, it's also just a drama that happens to be like 10 times funnier than every other comedy I've ever seen, basically. It's sort mm. of the way I'd put it. It's hilarious, of course. Um, but yeah, it's always an interesting uh, conversation, I guess. And the synopsis for this show says, strap in for this one. The Roy family is known for controlling the biggest media and entertainment company in the world. However, their world changes when their father steps down from the company. How was that even? Is that the even accurate, synopsis right? of Succession? Yes, on IMDb. Okay. Well, yep. that, that is like the start of it, I guess. So, is it? Gonna, like season one, that's like the premise that Kendall's going to take over. But yeah, Logan never steps down. He was when planning. They were planning. He was planning to step down, and then he decided. Yeah, not he to. was. Okay. He announced, "I'm back." Yeah, 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 he sure did. Um, I don't know about, I don't know. I don't know if that synopsis is entirely accurate in my opinion, but. It's not like accurate to the whole show, yeah. No, it's accurate to like literally like the first 10 minutes of episode one. I'll sort of give it that. Um, okay, Fitzy, season four just wrapped up. We're recording this uh, right now a few days after the season finale aired. Um, and this will go up probably a fair bit later. But we've had a couple days to sort of let the last episode wash over us and you know we've had 10 weeks of this of this season and of course the whole journey of the whole show what did you think of season four of succession i reckon this was best or second best season 
it definitely did what it set out to do with giving the kids uh, their full, you know, their full arc, their full run through um, all the time they needed. And I think it went yeah. where it needed to go with them and explored all the things with like each one of them. And yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was an incredibly like um, eventful season as well. Like tons of shit actually oh, happened. Yeah. It was like super up and down. So yeah, it was really fucking banger over the last season. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It was, yeah, it, it had, yeah, it has to be the most eventful season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would have to say. But you said it's the, you think it might be your second bet. What, what, what season tops it for you? Honestly, I was going to say like just season one. I don't know. I think season one is super solid. Um, oh, yeah. There are, oh, yeah. There are parts of other seasons which are better than season one. So like maybe the second half of season three or something. So I, I don't know. But mm. it, it's definitely best or second best. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. I don't know, man. This show, it's complete. Just overall, about it, the whole thing being done, this is probably the best show I've ever seen. It's perfect to me. Like, there's no other media I've been this engaged in and this invested in in a long time. You know, I've, I've every single, we talked about it when I was watching it last year for the first time. I just have, I react so much watching this show. I have every single possible emotional response in every episode. And uh, I sort of, I don't know why, like I sort of thought going into the season, because this was my first time watching weekly, I'd sort of, uh, you know, just watched it at my own pace previously. So I sort of thought maybe going in weekly, I'd react differently to it, or maybe it was like a product of the time I was watching it or whatever. Every single week I sit down and watch this shit and I was still losing my mind, like on the the couch every single week. Um, There's just so much in every episode. And I don't know, I feel like we're spoiled that we got 10 absolutely packed one hour episodes for this final season like what a treat it is what an achievement it is i know we've we've talked about recently on the show about you know in terms of films um how they're made how long they take to make and their you know multiple year production timelines and all that sort of thing and other of course other tv shows as well and for me like it's just so impressive that we got 10 full hours of the highest quality cinema turned around in what like a year and a half you know Mm, that's super quick yeah Super quick, man. And that final episode has been on my mind a lot for the last few days. Um, I sort of can't get it out of my head and I can't wait to talk about it all because the writing is so amazing. Everyone knows there there are so many different ways to interpret in this show, like all, all the different characters, their choices and their motivations in every single scene. It feels like it's constantly changing and um, there's just so much to say. Um, so let's do it. Let's do it. We decided... Well, I, I decided and then uh, Fitzy approved. Um, we're going to start, we usually do a non-spoiler section. We're sort of going to do that. We're going to start by just forcing ourselves to talk about episodes one and two only of season four for a few minutes here. We'll see how long it takes us just to dive into those episodes before we go absolutely apeshit and, and ruin it for everyone uh, because that doesn't happen in these two episodes quite yet. So I've just got to say to kick off episodes one and two, I feel like, I don't know if you felt this way. For me, my main takeaway watching these episodes, outside of the fact, of course, so many great scenes, hilarious scenes, the most, the biggest takeaway I, I got out of them um, was the fact that I feel like we got the most and the best insight that we've had into Logan's state of mind ever on the show. There was just some, there was some really solid moments with him. Um, he's in a unique space at the moment, in that moment in the show where 
he's sort of without the kids for for the first time. They've after the end of season three, they've distanced himself themselves from him and from the company, and we're seeing him sort of deal with that through the lens of his birthday, which is a great choice. Um, and there were some really interesting scenes I thought with him in these episodes that were sort of gave us a lot to go on and sort of understood stood the character a bit more deeply. I thought, especially like one of one of a standout scene to me. I don't know if you liked this one, but I'm sure you did, was when uh, Logan, he's having the chat with Colin, the mm. security guard. In the diner. Who, by the way, in the diner, he said, but by the way, has he been in the show since the start? He gets a lot more focus this season, I feel like. Yeah. Um, well, he, he's been- He has been there? I, I'm pretty sure he was the one that, like, kind of gave the side eye to Kendall, um, you know, in season two and that because, like, he, he knew about the kid and that. Oh, yes. And so Kendall yes. and him always had that right. weird kind of relationship. Yeah. That's right. No, you t- I totally forgot about that because it's in the room when the whole thing goes down the end of season one, right? It's uh, it's Logan, Colin, yeah. and Kendall. Uh, yeah, I think he's there, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, that, I remember that. Yeah, so anyway, I sort of – I'd sort of forgotten about him in previous seasons but because he, he gets a bit of spotlight here, especially thematically throughout this season. Oh, yeah. Um, and this diner scene was, was, was really interesting. It's uh, I, I listened to a fair bit of the the podcast, and this was actually Brian Cox's favorite scene he's ever played as Logan Roy, which was quite interesting. But yeah, well, you, you already jumped to it. Did you did you take anything out of this out of this scene, especially because I don't know, like the way he's like obviously in a really empty space in his life, I think, and the way he's like talking to Colin and venting about like what are people? Mm. It's like I don't know, this guy he's like more vulnerable than we've ever seen him in an emotional sense, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was gonna say I think I heard maybe from one of the like the inside the episode like feature ads that they do. They'll... Did you watch all of those? No, I watched like a few of them. I, I got into them like halfway through. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, Colin to like Logan is like, um, just a guy he can chill with because he doesn't have any like ulterior motives or like, you know, he's just kind of a simple guy unlike um everyone that's kind of surrounds him. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool seeing that diner uh, conversation where he just is kind of, you know, he's real for a minute. I guess he just lets his yeah, thoughts totally. like you know go. I guess yeah, totally. He just totally starts a uh, uh, like stream of consciousness hmm. talking. He's like, "What are people? Just units of units? What, what does market, he say? Economic market, units? Yeah, I think he market says. units or some shit. Yeah, yeah, whatever he says. Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was a pretty damn cool scene. I really liked it. I'm going to go on a mission to uh, go to this diner. Oh, so the Sopranos diner now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to go there too. I want to go to all these diners, man. I want to go to the Seinfeld diner too. There's too many diners to that, man, mm. you know. The scene stands out because of the, the state Logan's in, like I said, and it's the fact that the kids aren't there. I found the whole dynamic of, of episode one really interesting where like he's obviously competing against the kids to acquire Pierce, um, the rival news network, which was a great, like just by itself on the outside of the Logan perspective was a really fun thing with the kids to do and see them trying to do their own business venture stuff and, and not really like know how to bid for a company and, and acquire something so large. They keep sort of just like, saying the bigger number as logan says he's actually totally right they sort of just go uh 10 sounds better than nine right so we'll just go with 10 <laughs> they really don't have much idea what they're doing um but it was fun to see the, the the business element and the emotional element where like 
he's they, they're directly competing with Logan bidding while simultaneously Logan's super depressed that they're not there at his party, you know, and Kerry even calls them up and says, oh, you know, it'd be nice if you rang your dad. And, um, and that especially all sunk in, I think, with the brutal scene. I mean, there was some really funny stuff at the party, but the, the brutal scene where Logan wants everyone to roast him. And Greg, when Greg just um just tells him, "Well, uh, where where are your kids?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, where's your old man? That was brutal. Yeah, exactly. Still that was brutal. Dick man. at the county fair or some shit. <laughs> um, oh, that was that was so hard, man. That was so hard. But yeah, that episode one was was quite a different space to see Logan in. I think so. That's that's why I enjoyed mm. it. No, yeah, I actually forgot about like him wandering around his house and looking very empty. But yeah, that that, that yeah. was, I guess, the, the party scene. But that was super depressing because like, yeah, everyone around it was just kind of, you know, another corporate interest, I guess. Yeah. It, it was super somber, yeah. Just the lighting in his face in the room was, yeah, really cool. For sure, for sure, yeah. When everyone was saying happy birthday to him and he's just like, starts slowly walking off. He's like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, the fact that the kids, like, they started off with this, the hundred thing. Like, they, they actually were trying to build their own thing. But, like, like 10 minutes in, you know, someone from the past comes up and they're like, oh, they're back in the in the game, you know. It was kind of like, yeah, yeah. there, there was, like, a moment or a chance there where they were going to separate themselves. But, obviously, that wasn't going to happen. But it just, like, was a glimpse of, of that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's, that, that's a great point. And that's an important thing that we get a glimpse of that because we've never seen the, the characters to do something like that. And we don't, we don't really see it after a certain point in this season again, it's, but it's an important thing that I think we see them attempt to take that step and what it sort of looks like for a brief window. And mm. I don't know if it was going, I don't know if it was going great. I don't know if it was honest. going anywhere, but yeah, it was still interesting to see them do something that was different from something established. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Sort of sort of on this topic, actually. In episode two, um, a scene that I found very interesting at the time, and oh god, maybe it can be analyzed in all different ways now, but just just from the perspective of when I watched it, it was actually the end of the episode when Roman goes back to Logan that night and Logan wants to recruit him. He says he says to Roman that he, he, he always saw him as smart. Which was interesting, and I, I just I wanted to know how did you feel about this particular scene in terms of what Logan's motivations were? Because I sort of believed him. It was a very it was very interesting timing that he was trying to bring Roman in. I, I believed him in the sense that Roman was sort of the one talking about the hundred that sort of believed in it most and thought that acquiring Pierce was taking two steps back for everyone. You know, he was the one that was most hesitant to do it. And he said, I think he just sort of went along with it in the end. Mm. But at the same time, I don't know, my, my dad personally, he thought that it was just a play to ruin the siblings team dynamic. Like I'll tear Roman away from them and ruin it basically and, tear, and ruin the whole acquisition. And that's basically all he saw it as. Like what, what, did, what did you think that was? I don't know. Like it's always hard to tell how much of Logan is like, like manipulation, I guess, because like oh, sometimes he does seem like super truthful, and especially when you know the way people use words on the show and the way people talk is always so it, it's also double speak. It's always it's always so two sided. You're uh, like me at least. I'm always kind of rooting for Roman or 
Kendall to like, you know, take up the mantle or whatever. And I think wanting to believe that is, yeah. is, um, it might be a bit true, but I don't know if it was totally, maybe he just wanted company or something. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I don't think it's just like one thing, but yeah. 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 No, yeah, that's totally true. It's never just one thing. And it's always like the character says something and you've got to, you've got no idea what they're really saying. You know, what are they actually saying? What are they actually thinking? You know, it's like mm. it's, it's, no one ever says what they think in this show ever. So, yeah, that, that, that was an interesting scene. That, that, that element, the fact that Logan sort of gets back on or tries to, tries to bring Roman back in this episode sort of then sticks with, sticks with Roman for the rest of the season as well. Of you know, my, my dad, pro- dad was promising me. That's that's quite important as well, I think. Well, like even at like the the end of season three, Roman seems like the most hurt because he's still kind of sticking by his dad's side of it. Um, Kendall doesn't really have that option, but that's true. Roman does feel the most, which plays out in multiple ways later. He feels the most just purely like emotionally, like. He just views him more as a father than anything else. I yeah, guess. yeah, he's most like attached. Yeah, exactly. But like, I think first and foremost, he just sees Logan as his dad. You know, as opposed as opposed to the other characters have sort of too much baggage with other other things that have happened to them and other things okay. he said to them. Yeah. That it's just sort of it's a bit more muddy, I think. But another crucial, I think, scene in this episode, episode two, was the family scene at the the karaoke bar. I think it was. Yeah phenomenal scene um things get really really personal and for the first time so logan comes into the room and everyone's in there and for the first time i think logan actually apologizes to them seems to come in with the best intentions to mend the family again is that is that the truth i I, i'm sort of i'm with you fitzy like i always sort of i always want to believe it is therefore i sort of lean that way you know mm. I, i'm not i don't know i don't doubt people that much i don't i don't like like to like be overboard in like just trying to scrutinize and say oh well i don't know if you're being genuine like I, I really do want to believe that i don't know if it is the truth but um but he has this crucial line in in this which i think just continues to ring throughout the whole show now um and i'll forever think about it with logan and how you view everything he does and because he tells the kids, "I love you, but you're not serious people." And yeah, I this think, was yeah. this was one of the most important lines of the of the show up until this point. I think. Yeah, I think that was like the line of the season. That's like the most like prophetic. I think I think it's pretty clear what he means. Like he, he loving his kids has always been a fundamental part of his character, but he says it. You know, he's never he's never told them that that we, that we've seen. I'm sure he has in other times in his life or whatever, but. On the show, we've never seen it, but in terms of the show being called Succession, the whole thing being about, you know, which of his kids is going to take his place and it going all different sorts of ways throughout the whole series of he chooses one and then chooses the other and then changes his mind. And in the end of the day, he just doesn't think any of them, apparently doesn't think any of them really have what it takes. It's sort of what I what I took from this, if that's if that's what you think he means. Yeah, I think I think that's what he means. The way they like play against him, kind of childishly, I guess, is like motivating him to say that. Like the way they bid against him for PS and that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, he does mean it in that sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just a line that like I'm gonna every single time when I, when I rewatch now, and we see certain decisions he's made, 
um, about, you know, who he chooses in certain moments. I'm just going to always think about that. I don't know, like not serious people. I guess you just, you know, they don't, all their decisions are based around winning or based around other other bullshit, I guess he sees it as, as opposed to just making the best call for the business or making the best call for, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's hard to like just call them all like one particular trait because they are smart characters. Yeah. Um, I guess they're a little in in state. They're a little unstable, I guess, and they're maybe they're not as talented as they think they are. But yeah, what what it means exactly right. is is hard. Everything they seem to do just seems to just always come down to childish, like, well, you said this and you said that and we did this and, you know, mm, just to yeah. basically try and screw each other as opposed to anything that's, like, logical, you know, or, like, really sitting down, having a conversation about it and making a quality decision. Okay, we had to talk about that line for sure, but any other standout moments from the, from these two episodes that you can think of before we just – before we get into the, to the meat here? Oh, there was that – there was something with Connor and the girl. Willa, yeah. Willa, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the idea that they, she seemed to. She was like uh, hesitant, right? What's the phrase? Exactly, yeah. What's the, she got cold feet is what I was yeah, trying right, to say. Yeah, cold feet. But then yeah. Yeah. they end up being a pretty healthy She was couple, there at the end. You know? Yeah. They sure do. <laughs> that, was, that was actually a, a, a they, they, they had the happiest arc of the season for sure. They ended up being okay. Mm. Like, totally. Between them, I think. I think. Yeah, no, that's that's totally true. Also, I mean, we'll do a whole section on our ga- on the best gags later. But um, Greg telling Kerry about the whole thing with Kerry's um, audition tape was hilarious, and Greg having to tell her, "Oh yeah, they're literally the worst person on earth to do that job, man." Let's do it. Let's go full spoilers. If you have not seen Succession season four, get the hell out. I also just want to emphasize that this is not one of those spoilers. You know, how sometimes I feel like you can listen to like a spoiler section. And it's like, but if you haven't seen the show, it sort of means nothing to you and you forget it all anyway. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't know who, who you talk, who anyone's talking about. That is not the case here. We, we, we say shit. If you've never seen this show, it'll, it, it's going to ruin this shit 100%. I guarantee it. Huge stuff here. Beware. Breaking bad level. Yes, absolutely. I can't believe I said piss off. Can you believe I did that? Channeling wrote Logan right there. Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. All right. Huge, huge spoiler warning. Fitzy, I, I just want to do this whole thing on episode three for a second here because holy shit, this was an unbelievable television experience, this whole episode. I don't know, it's like the anti-Red Wedding. It's like those bastards. Can you believe those bastards called the episode Connor's Wedding? Mm. <laughs> that, was, that, was good. That, was, that was something, man. That was, that was a good, uh, good little prank there on their part. But I was in total shock watching this episode <laughs> we were watching it and my dad said that he turned around like this is huge spoils logan roy dies in this episode and my, my dad turned around like around five minutes after it was sort of already clear logan ha- had died and i was still like this <laughs> i was just like i was just like that the whole time with my hands on my head just like huge eyes staring at the screen i'm like what the hell is this um this whole this whole episode was was a journey. Did you have a similar emotional reaction or just a shocked reaction? Had, did you see any of this shit coming? Was it as wild for you as it was for me? No. My dad didn't spoil it for me, but he he said something. Uh, it was like, oh. oh, you should like you should watch it now or some shit. Like, you know? 
and I kind of gleamed something from that. But I, okay. I was still like kind All of shocked right. when it happened. Yeah. Okay, so going in, like, okay, you weren't, you were already questioning the whole Connor's wedding title a little bit. Like, I knew something was going to go down, like, and yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you and your dad don't watch it together? We usually do. I think he was home that day or something. I don't know. I'm not sure early. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something different. Yeah, yeah. God, he, got, he couldn't wait. He got ahead of you. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not waiting for you, bro. I'm watching the succession. This episode was a journey. The whole progression of it was brilliant. Is he dead? No one will say he's dead for ages. Is he breathing? Uh, Roman refuses to believe it. He's sort of... You know, it, it, it sort of becomes clear he's in denial. But at first, I was sort of with him. I was like, "Well, hang on, it's all happening over the phone," which was such a god. That's such a brilliant choice. Like, this is a d- kind of character death that you, you've just never seen before. You know, I've never seen anything like this on screen. Mm-hmm. Like a character dying in the most vague, confusing way, in the be- but in the best way possible. It felt very real. It was it was shockingly dramatic. It was like I was really like in the sibling's shoes. Like I just could not wrap my head around what was happening. I think everyone had the thought at first that is 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 it like a sick joke? At first, um, then it becomes clear uh, relatively quickly. I, I don't think that lasted for me for long. Um, it becomes clear relatively quick, quickly when we start getting some quick shots on from Tom's perspective on the plane that something is happening. But then I was sort of like, oh, was he just having a heart attack? Like I don't know. He's had. Like, Logan's had health scares before multiple times, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. this shit's happened to him before. So I was sort of like, oh, okay, so he's having another episode here and, you know, he'll be fine. Right? <laughs> so, mm. That's what the whole thing was. And then it was just like this slow, slow agonizing, like probably literally over 15 or 20 minutes, this gradual thing of like, oh, no, he is actually dead. Yeah. He's actually cocked it. Yeah, they, they let it, they let it sink in really well, and they kind of use that like the business speak of the show, but for you know the death, I guess. Which I think <laughs> I mean, it's like we're still debating whether or not he was he was dead um, within the first five minutes, but it's not like stopped, right? So I guess he was he was dead pretty quickly, but yeah, yeah. I th- I think it sort of like in the moment it was it was you know it was crazy, but I think looking back like. Yeah, he was dead a lot quicker than like we originally thought he was. Like, I think Tom was sort of ended up was being more lenient for. I don't know if you want to say Tom was being nice in the moment or whatever you want to say, but like, he, I think Tom knew he was dead quicker than he was sort of actually just saying it. You know? Mm, yeah, maybe yeah. Because he sort of kept saying like, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know." Um, put the phone to the ear. But yeah, it, it was. It, I think it was the choice, the fact that they didn't show Logan's body on the ground for a while. You sort of got quick glimpses into the plane, but it, it took, I don't know, a fair amount of time into the sequence until you literally just go, okay, there's the shot of Logan lying there and they're doing CPR on him. And it's like, okay, that's like the, that was like finally the visual confirmation that, that this shit was not going well. The other significant thing about it outside of like, you know, the lead dying was the fact that the show's never had a character death before. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking that, yeah. I know we talked about. Well, apart from the boy in season one, but yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That that is an important death, but not a character. Um, in terms of, we we were talking about before the season aired of like, is this a show? Because it's never happened before, and there's been three seasons up until that point. We were like, is this a show where people even die in it? Like, I, I didn't really. That wasn't really the language of the show narratively. So like, mm. I wasn't even. 
I think we talked about this. So like we weren't even really convinced that that was a direction the show would ever take. This isn't a story where people actually die, you know. So that w- that was something else that I think added a bit of heft to it, and for it to and for it to be handled in this way where it's like so real, so messy. You know, there's no nice goodbyes. There's no last words. Other show- some shows handle that better than others, but I, most shows still sort of have like a dramatic moment or a shot or something for a character death at least. You know. Yeah. And yeah. the fact he literally just Logan Roy drops dead and we don't even see it. It's sort of the, and that just makes it more impactful, I think, overall, you know, all of that combined, how well it was executed, of course, and and all the conventions of the show going into it as well. In terms of the whole sequence, though, were there any standout moments or, or maybe even performances that that really took you? Because the whole thing was masterfully done. Did you watch actually the behind the episode for this one? Uh, yeah, about the, the one take shot. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, yeah. There's there's no real there's no extended real shots like long take shots in the edit. But um, but what they did was that they they ran the whole sequence with the actors. They ran it like the whole fifteen to twenty minute thing, all in one go. They did it twice, I think they said, and they shoot the show on film, which is pretty incredible. And they so they like constantly cameramen are moving around. There's there's different cameramen moving around, but the whole thing was done basically as a stage production mm. 20 minutes long in the boat where the actors and the cameramen are all moving around switching canisters out of their cameras to be able to keep the film real going doing all this crazy shit to coordinate it. i think they said they did it twice and then they sort of formed the final edit for there from there but the actors did it as like this extended piece basically right real time yeah exactly exactly yeah and um that that, that was really cool and uh they also mentioned I don't know if this was in the podcast or, or that behind the scenes thing, but Matthew McFadden, um, he was on the phone actually with the actors. Like everything you hear with Tom on the phone is actually Matthew on the phone, like audio directly captured from it, like oh, okay. not done afterwards. And he was back home in London at the time, um, like with and with the weird time zone difference, it was like I don't know all hours of the night for him, and he was just sitting there on the phone basically all day playing Tom on the phone <laughs> for them. Um, which is like pretty funny when I sort of visualize it, but I thought that that's like that's that's pretty damn cool, I think, and pretty damn pretty damn strong commitment. But mm. from this whole thing on the boat and the way it's sort of all executed, did you have any any standout things at all? I don't know. I like how it goes through like each character's reaction, kind of like they go from yes, they 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 start with with Roman and then they go Kendall and Shiv and Connor. And it gets a little bit mm. yeah. It was just a cool panoramic kind of like view of their emotions yeah but um i don't know overall it was very like the fact that it happened on the plane that was very like claustrophobic and everyone on the plane was kind of reacting weirdly as well um so uh, yeah it was very it was very cool it was very yeah very realistic i guess Uh, that's that's totally true the way you get the different reactions from all the all the different characters involved like they start behaving totally irrationally some of them well kendall certainly does when he starts asking to speak to the pilot and all this weird Mm, shit like you understand what he's going through but it's like what the hell is that doing you know um and they all they all sort of have that they go through that in their own little ways um which also feels quite realistic actually yeah and how the characters react is all different when ken has to go and get shiv from the from the the i don't know what you call it the party downstairs or whatever he has to go find her in the crowd jeremy strong said he didn't actually know where sarah was So like when he walks down there, he actually has to like he was actually like trying to find her, which was which was pretty cool. 
Connor had an interesting reaction as well, for sure. Like, did, he sort of he believed it the quickest, I think. And then he, doesn't he say he says like right away, like, "Oh, he never liked me." Yeah, yeah he never he liked says. me anyway. <laughs> and it was like, "Oh, he never liked me anyway." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He, he probably handles it the best, actually, to be honest. Oh, no, he, he doesn't say that. He says, like, oh, he never he never even really liked me. And then he kind of gets over it, but he's, he's like, I don't have time for this shit, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he sort of he sort of immediately – I sort of took it as immediately afterwards he sort of realized, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That's not true. Oh, yeah, he's like, oh, But that you was, know like, what? his immediate yeah. reaction. Yeah, and he says, yeah. He didn't – I don't think he actually believed that. He was sort of just a raw response. But that, that's the other thing. The kids actually have to make the choice to tell Connor. And this is a hell of a hell of a dilemma. Like, would would you tell Connor the news before? Because it's his wedding. It's his wedding day. And they're debating whether or not they should tell him now. I think he would find out either way, I guess. I guess it would be good to tell him. Yeah, okay, that's, a, that's a fair point. Like, it's gonna someone's going to see it on Twitter or something. Well, because, like, uh, anyway. at the end of the episode, they show the... The people who are left at the wedding when they actually do the vows, and there's like no one there. It's like a bunch of empty seats, right? So I feel like a lot of people like were, yeah. you know, got involved in some way or affected, or I don't know, found out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally true. That's a really. I actually didn't think of that. That's true. I was sort of more just thinking of it in a pure like ethical sense of like, could you like you don't want to ruin their wedding day, but like, mm. do you go? Can, can you reveal? Yeah, but yeah, you're right. He would have just found it anyway. Probably so. It, it, that would have been even worse if they hadn't told him. Someone yeah, else maybe, did, yeah. and then that would have, yeah, that would have been bad. That would have been real bad for their relationship. So yeah, that's a good point. Big shout out to Sarah Sarah Snook in this scene. Actually, um, her performance, like as she lear- when she learns it and she start- gets on the phone for the first time, she starts sort of breaking down. Uh, her shock and and breakdown in her, in her voice and it, the way she's trembling. I don't know. It was felt very real. It felt very authentic. Like I feel like. I've been in situations like that when you're just overwhelmed by emotion. You sort of like, like you can function fine, but like you sort of, you know, you just can't get it out quite the same way. You can't, there's a beat wrong, you're, you're shaking, you know, all mm. that sort of thing. And she just like captured that like amazingly. I've probably never seen someone do that quite on screen the same way. And uh, yeah, Mark, Mark Mylod said in the podcast that like, apparently Meryl Streep does this thing where like, she'll be in any state in a take and she'll just come, snap right out of it the second they say cut. Sarah was apparently like that during this whole thing where like she's completely breaking down and then they say cut and she just totally is just like normal. Like, oh yeah, okay, do you want me to do another one? <laughs> yeah, ready to go. Mm. I don't know how, human beings, man, I don't know how, how we can even do shit like this. It's crazy. So yeah, that was, that was, a, that whole episode was, was a hell of a roller coaster ride. It was fantastic. Well, I don't want to take this chronologically from here. I feel like I want to just get to the finale and we can sort of work our way backwards or okay. do whatever we want after that. Uh, to transition to the finale, though, I will just say, what a, what a season this was for Shiv and Tom, dude. Oh yeah, like yeah, everything they went through this season, it was it was pretty bonkers. I, this has to be the most eventful season for them as a, in terms of their relationship, the most growth they've been through, and they've been through a fair bit of growth anyway. But yeah, they just like let it all out on each other. Especially that argument on the rooftop was was awesome. Yeah, that that was something else because the thing was in episode one. When they have their really great scene, they break up in their, I don't know, their apartment um, mm. and they're just sitting around and they have this really emotional scene. In that moment, like, I thought, wow, they're talking really honestly with each other. You know, they're on an equal playing field in this conversation and, you know, Shiv doesn't really want to take part in the conversation. So that's that's 
an element to it. But I sort of, in that moment, was like, oh, wow, you know, this is quite deep for these two. <laughs> and then they have like six more scenes which get deeper and deeper every single time. Like I, that was nothing. That was not even scratching the surface of, of between them this season. It, it just somehow yeah. continues to get deeper and deeper. And, and considering this whole thing only takes place over what, uh, a bit over like a week and a half or so this season, it's pretty wild. Yeah, I guess it was like a natural continuation of season three where Tom goes to betray ship, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, um, sides with Logan. But yeah, their, their conversation just got uh, better and better this season. It was like a highlight for sure, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. The fact that, I mean, the betrayal at the end of season three was was phenomenal. What Tom did there, you know, good for him, you know what I mean? But the way then that led into this season was highlighted something for me like I've always loved about the character drama in this show and something that I feel like is really like when I see it in this show, I just feel like it's lacking in so many other shows I watch, which is the characters can be on complete opposite sides of certain aspects of their lives. They can be on opposite sides of the acquisition and the business conflict, which is exactly what Shiv and Tom are um, at the start of the season, but they have to go home to deal with that reality, you know, and then, and they do, and they go home. And it's and they they both just talk like normal people when they go home, and then you get it's like this whole other ball game. You get into this whole other realm with these characters because of course they're you know they're husband and wife. And I feel like in I don't know that's always the case in this show where like no matter the conflicts, no matter the the dissensions or the differences or whatever that's happening between the characters at certain times, they always feel like real people between each other because the siblings can be completely opposed in one sense, but then someone else talks shit about the other and then they'll quickly defend them, you know? Mm. And it's the exact same situation here where it's like they couldn't be more opposed professionally right now, but they still live in the same apartment. They come home, they they have a chat, you know? And I feel like so many other shows like don't do that. Like it's it's when when a character turns against another character in the story, like it's like a black and white moment where like now the characters are separated. You know, we, yeah. we don't see them. They don't talk until until they have, of course, an inevitable either conflict or resolution or big big scene yeah. together. I don't want to talk shit about Ted Lasso season three, but that's kind of like like Nate and oh. Ted Lasso. Yeah. Okay, how much of that have you seen? I've seen a bit of it. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> I just okay. that's scary. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's something this show's always done throughout. Is that it never makes character conflicts black and white never does them in a traditional sense. It just feels like real people having real disagreements and then something else comes up and they'll, they're more than happy to chat about it or whatever. So that, that was that, that was a strong thing for me with the, these two this season. And you're, hell, you're totally right about the hell of a scene on the balcony, man. There's just, so much, there's just so much baggage in their relationship built into it at this point, too much bullshit for there to really be any solid foundation to survive on at that point, I think. Other than they seem to think each other are hot. That's basically, they clearly physically are attracted to each other because they keep banging this season. But outside of that, there's just like way too much going on between them, the whole thing. It's, I don't know, that is, it just feels really sad, I would say, the Shiv and Tom thing, the way it ends up playing out. It's just mm. between them, the whole relationship feels just empty and just like, what are we doing? There's just no foundation for this anymore. Anyway, that was just all set up for uh, Tom Supremacy, baby. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe this shit? Can you believe this shit, Liam? I can. I can't believe it. You can? I predicted it. How much, but how much do you actually consider this a possibility? 
and it wasn't just like a joke message, you know. I wasn't. Jo- I wasn't joking. If it's not going to be the kids, who's yeah. going to be? You know, that was my that was my question. I laughed so hard when they cut to Tom and he's walking down that hallway, you know, and he's like the moment like he's walking to be coronated as CEO, and it just like it finally sunk in that Tom was about to become the CEO of Waystar. And for some reason, like, I don't know, it was wild to me. Like, I honestly, it wasn't, like, not that I ever thought it was impossible or anything, but, like, it just was not on my radar of, like, strong possibilities heading into the heading into the finale at all, especially considering, like, we talked about it last week, and I think I think I said, like, I don't see any scenario where Tom can be CEO at this moment. Mm. Uh, alas, <laughs> I didn't see the whole thing coming where Matsu wouldn't go for Shiv as CEO, as, U- as a US CEO that he needed, you know? That all sort of got plopped on us in the first half of the episode, which all totally fits, totally makes sense. And it was a great scene between Tom and and Madsen as well. But it that that was just a whole new element to the game that just was not on my radar heading in. Well, I think like as I was saying, it was because the reason that he would pick Tom would be because he's like manipulatable, which is similar to Greg, I guess. And mm. Shiv is kind of well, she's more independent, I guess. Um, yeah, it just made sense, yeah. But uh, it's not a happy ending for Tom, I don't think. Because, yeah. Interesting. Oh, well, like, I think he's like, it's super depressing because, like, especially the way, like, he just looks. But um, because I feel like he's been, you know, ingratiating himself um, further up the ladder to try and t- to finally get to this position where he doesn't have to do that anymore. But he still has to, like... Um, answer to Matson. Right. When he realizes that at the dinner table, he like he says like I'm fucked or whatever. This is fucking bullshit, you know. To Greg, like effectively he says that. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think Tom got a happy ending by any means. The 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 scene, the shot in the car as well is super like. Yeah, it feels oh, super empty. Car, yeah. Oh, that's that's a haunting shot. Yeah, that's so interesting. I oh, see. I, I I was sort of I want to talk about Shiv, and I feel like. I sort of saw that the emotional side of that scene through Shiv's lens more than Tom's. That, that's that's a really interesting read on it for sure. Tom openly talks about earlier in the season, which I thought was a main and between one of the other many conversations between Tom and Shiv this season. I think it was an episode. It was in episode six where he basically, for the first time, like we know this about the character, but he just basically openly says to Shiv that like I like my money, I like my career a lot, I like rich, I like fancy clothes, and uh, I probably wouldn't marry you if you were a regular person. Mm. So. We understand that that's a core motivator for Tom is the, of course, the acceleration of his career. But that's such an interesting read that you feel like he's he reached the top, like he did it. But like he he when he gets there, it's like there's just someone else above me, or it's just it's it's just it's never enough. Basically, is that sort of how you felt? Well, it's just that he's still he's still answering to someone, I guess, and like his relationship mm. with Greg kind of indicates well greg is like basically a friend to him by the end of the show but like initially it kind of suggests like it's someone that he wants to be on top of he wants to have that you know that control when he basically like bullies him the first time greg is like you know he comes up to that that baseball pitch or whatever in season one Mm. yeah it it does (laughs) feel like he's a bit he's a bit broken by it yeah it's like yeah yeah it's interesting it's almost just like it's it's like the pursuit of ultimate power but he's sort of like there is no such thing. He's like, you know, or something yeah. like that. It feels a bit like Darth Vader or something, you know. Like, <laughs> if I can, you probably enjoy that he was compared to Darth Vader. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd probably, he'd probably like that. Yeah, I mean, it's as Shiv, as Shiv accurately says to Matson, you know, Tom will suck the biggest stick in the room, which was a funny line, of course. But like you can see, like if you, when you watch Skarsgård's performance there, like you can tell that's all. That, I, I feel like that's probably the moment where he's like, "I might go with this guy." Then you know, like as soon as he says that, yeah, like, oh, that's exactly what Are I you, want. Because you can see um, his bulge, Matson's bulge. Is that what you're saying? You can infer who has the his biggest what? stick. His bulge. Oh, okay, all right. He's like, mm. I think I've got a pretty good, pretty big cock. You know, I reckon. <laughs> Is that what you? Is that what you're saying? Uh, that's yeah, yeah. No, but <laughs> no, okay. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Oh my god! Um, all right, Shiv the Shiv, mm. villain of the show confirmed, right? Um, oh my god! Yeah. Well, I, I I need to ask you. This is something I've seen. I talked to Dad about it. I've seen some comments. I feel like no no one agrees with me on this. So I want to get your raw take. To, what do you think? her ultimate final betrayal at the board meeting, not voting for Kendall, what do you think it was all about? Was it just pettiness or any number of other things? I really don't know. Like it was, it was incredibly shocking when it happened, but it felt like really perfect, but I I don't, yeah, I didn't get any sense of like one thing. It was, I don't know. I don't want to just call it something. I want to think about it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. That's, yeah, it's definitely, I don't think it's one thing either. I don't know. I saw like, you know, in the end, she just didn't want to see her brother win. And it's like, okay, maybe, but you know, fair enough. I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot more going on there though. Like I, I feel like it's 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 the ultimate final choice that a character makes in the whole show. And I feel like it can't be that simple and because the whole show is not that simple. There's, there, I mean, there's a lot going into it. Like you can look at like what she actually says to Ken in the scene where um, like, oh my God, dude, that scene was so awkward when they're in the, in the side, whatever you call it, the side uh, mm. meeting room or whatever. And they're screaming at each other and they start actually fighting each other. That was so awkward, but really God, it was just incredible. Like she actually, she tells him, I love you. I can't stomach you. And, you know, you wouldn't be good at the job. And maybe there's an element of truth there. Like, I know there's the little shot, like, a few minutes earlier where, like, where Ken puts his feet up on Logan's desk and she's, like, looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, I think that adds credence to the can't stomach you idea. But I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it was an element of the same thing that she, why she sided with Matson in the first place sort of just came back around a little bit. Like I think the whole reason she ended up going with Matson was came from episode four was when they decided that they were going to go with Roman and Ken as co-CEOs. Mm. And she was promised that she'd be kept in on the loop on everything and it's going to be a team of three. And then I, th- but I think she felt shafted in that moment totally. And I think she probably honestly was right to, to feel that way because I don't think they had any intention of holding that up. So I think there was a bit of that. I think she had a bit of fear that she was just going to get cast out again, that Ken can make any all kinds of promises that she'll be across things and get a good role or whatever. But, you know, can you really believe him in that sense? And, you know, her kid's future is also potentially secure in her mind too by making this decision. Um, you know, at the end of the day, she, she will give birth to, therefore, the new era of Waystar. Um, so that might come into it. Um a little bit, but I do think the pregnancy is sort of the key here for me. It's an incredibly important inclusion this season that Shiv was pregnant. I think it's I think it's really relevant. 
And I feel like it's sort of being overlooked a little bit because why else include it? I don't know. Like, and, and I think I think the business element, like I just mentioned, of the succession of her kid is is part of it. But more than anything, I think it was more of actually a personal choice, actually for her, selfishly. Like I think we get the scene earlier in the episode where she calls Tom basically to sort of get a read on um, if there's anything left in their relationship, if he'll consider getting back with her, basically, and he doesn't. He says, "I don't know." Which is, which is, uh, I, I would say, I would say no, but you know, Tom was more polite than me. The fact that she has to have Tom's kid is weighing heavily on her. I think she clearly wants to be with Tom for the kid and for herself and to, you know, have that personal side of her life secure in the future. Like she wants this idea of we're a family, you know, I don't have to go and have this baby on my own. I don't have to deal with it on my own. I don't have to deal with the drama of Tom and, and him being the father of this child. Like I think it's just neater for her. If she can just be with Tom and have this baby and their family and, you know, obviously per, like that's totally messed up and they're not going to be happy. I can guarantee you that it's really definitely going to be depressing. But I think that that's all she really just wanted in that point at that point. When she learned Tom was going to be Matson's CEO, that's what changed it, I think. Because mm. the night before, obviously, they were all about Kendall. Sure, she could have changed her mind. I get it. But she was all for Kendall when she was under the understanding that the that Madsen CEO was going to be like some tech dude, you know, was going to be whoever, whatever, insert blank. It was the moment where she learned it was Tom was, of course, she retaliates at first and loses her mind, which was fair enough. That's an immediate response. But I think as she has time to let that sink in and understand what that looks like, I think, yeah, I think it was more than just not wanting her brother, her brother to, to win or whatever, like... You know, you can, I don't think you can say that she would have voted against Ken no matter what. I, I do think it was the knowledge that she was voting for Tom. It was a play for Tom and it secured yeah. his loyalty is what I saw it as. So they can live happily ever after as a miserable family, basically. That's sort of the way I interpreted it, that it had everything to do with Tom in the end. But I haven't, I haven't seen that anywhere else. So I just don't know if, if that sounds like a good theory. I, oh, yeah. I just, sorry, I just talked for like five minutes on that theory. Well, I think like... No, like people definitely feel that way. Like I watched the scene on YouTube and a lot of the comments say like, yeah, she's choosing her own family's succession over Kendall, right. like yes, and choosing to be the CEO's wife instead of the CEO's brother, sister. Yeah. But in general, the show like does a good job for me at least making me overlook Shiv and Tom and Tom and their dynamic and stuff, but like, yeah, when Tom actually becomes CEO, it's like um, looks a lot different. Yeah, and that's exactly what you what you're talking about with that 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 holding hands shot in the the car. God, that's there's so much there because it feels so empty, man. You're so right. Like it's it just feels so wrong, you know. But I think she made the decision because that's what she wants. Like you know, absolutely the business side, the kid. For her personally, she just wants the neat, tidy family thing. And so she can probably go on and, you know, mess up this kid like her dad messed up her, you know? Well, I think she's trying to be more like her, like her mum, I guess, who was like, you know, married to the CEO of Waystar and kind of maybe yeah. bred the kid up a little or let the kid be bred up by the dads so trying to like be groomed for the role of CEO, I guess, like kind of complete that cycle. Mm. I, I yeah, I really I really believe that. And sure, like again, I think the the feeling towards Ken is relevant. Like I I don't think it has no say in the matter, but 
I really do think the pregnancy was key to a decision. But yeah, phenomenal final shot with them. It was not a happy ending, but uh, they won, which is like <laughs> succession. <laughs> they win, mm. but it sucks. I found this finale devastating for the main reason I'm sure that you'll suspect, and that is the fact that Kendall did not car pay the DM, unfortunately. Feels bad, man. Feels bad. <laughs> How did you feel it was going midway through? Midway through. Because, of course, the whole the whole first half of the episode is this build-up of, like, of course, there's, at first there's, like, oh, it could go either way, and then they have this whole coronation for him, which is some really great stuff there. But it's this coronation. It's this almost victory lap moment of, like, it's happening. It's going to go. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, mm. And they take it all away. But how did you feel sort of midway through? Like, were you just totally lost in it or were you doubting this shit the whole time? This shit's going to fall apart. I don't know, Lee. Like, I feel like if Kendall, the show, oh, I don't know. It's hard to say because he's so rooted in Kendall. But when you look at the actual evidence, it's a bit more flimsy because he does like um, fail on this a lot of times. But it does feel like he has something. And maybe if he does something that's a bit ruthless or whatever, he might um, come out on top. And he does start to do those things through the episode. But there's still that inkling of doubt that I had. Not as not it wasn't like huge, but yeah. Any first of all, it just needs to be said, I'm I'm Kendall's number one fan at this point. At first I was like I feel like I was like hesitant to like Kendall's always my favourite, but I was like, I don't know, like, do I really like this guy that much? Yeah, dude, I'm like Kendall. I'm I'm all for Kit Team Kendall, like all the way throughout this whole thing now. Uh so that that made this finale particularly devastating for me. Everything they do in the first half, uniting the siblings again, the whole everything like the scene on the beach was great, and like I've never seen Jeremy Strong smile that hard in his yeah. life. Yeah, <laughs> and the characters even make fun of that, which was hilarious. Like Happy Kendall, um, it's to- that's totally true because I feel like it's always either what is it? It's like it's like sad Kendall or motivated Kendall. Yeah. And- that's basically yeah. it. <laughs> That's true. So then this one time you get like extremely joyous Kendall for like a night and they have the whole crown fit for a king hilarious scene in the kitchen, which was just so fun. I know something about these characters like figuring out what's in the fridge and having like leftover <laughs> yeah. food was just hilarious to me. It was just great. Um, th- that was actually, that was the last scene they shot for the whole, that, that, that wrapped oh, up yeah, the series. Oh, yeah, the Bahamas, yeah. So, yeah, at that point, it was actually like I was so happy, man. I was like grinning ear to ear. I'm like, this shit's phenomenal. And then like right after that, yeah, I know. Then, but oh, my God, it just gets like crazy because I was so happy when they actually fly back from the Bahamas to New York and you, you get like some of those shots when they're coming out of the plane and the two siblings flanking him and they're like all on the phone. And like they're just like making this shit happen, and the music's just blasting. Nick Bratel's score just going absolutely insane, and it was like the most hype shit this show's ever been. I'm like, oh my god, they're doing it! You know, it was like so exciting to me. Oh, it yeah. was like, it, like it was. I was like, so I was so in it, and then I feel like, I think around there, I was, I was like, at that point, I was so in it. If we didn't pause it. I would have been like probably even more devastated because I think around then we we paused it for a quick break and I was sort of just sitting there for a second, like a few minutes. I had time to actually rest and think about it because it wasn't happening. It was I wasn't watching it. And I sort of, that's when the inkling of doubt came into my mind, you know, I don't yeah, know if I trust this yeah. anymore. So I, if we hadn't paused it, man, I might've even been more shocked by it, but um, it was pretty, it was pretty brutal. In terms of where everything ends for Kendall though, 
looking at that final final scene of the show, there's a lot going on there. I think I think there's lots of breakdown. The choice to have Colin following him, you know, like his dad earlier in the season, and standing there beside him was very striking. The waves, the choice of the water with Kendall is always very interesting to me. I talk about it in the podcast a bit. It's definitely obviously intentional, but it's always an important thing for his character. It feels like. In the podcast, actually, they made the – in the episode – this is before the finale. In the episode six episode of the podcast, when when there's that awesome final scene where Kendall's swimming in the ocean, they make the comparison of like the the role of water in the towards the end of season three when Kendall's at his lowest and then him uh-huh. here at his highest, you know, swimming, basically thriving in the ocean, you know. And then this this sort of depressingly almost neutral moment when it comes to the water – of this final shot where it's, it's the waves and he's just, they're just present and he's just staring at them. You know, it's like, has this really somber sort of an overarching feel to it. Yeah. I Well, the main thing that the shot reminded me was just like Michael Corleone and like the Godfather part two, like the, the ending of that. Yeah, that was amazing that came to my mind, especially it was like, you know, it was really like an orange hue kind of, and it was in like, you know, Central Park, like it was in New York. That's a good point about the waves. The last thing you hear, the last subtitle is waves lapping. The music just stops. and Waves lapping. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that is really perfect. It's interesting, yeah, because it is sort of an, a, 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 like an emotionally similar place to The Godfather Part Two, but it's not it's not the same story. You know, like we were talking about last week, you, you had the idea of like, is that what the show's going to be? Yeah. And it would be that if Kendall had won and like, it's like, oh, look at him, he's CEO, but now he's lost his humanity because he, he had to be a terrible person to get there, basically. That's the Godfather Part Two story. But instead he like, he never had the chance. Like he never, it never happened. Like he just, he's lost as he sort of puts it, you know, he's the, he's the cog that only fits one machine and the machine was taken away from him, which was a great line, but that's what's so sad about it, I guess. And my main, my main question right as I finished it was, okay, does, does Ken kill himself now? Like, is that, is that where this character goes after the credits end or is it somewhere else? Is it somewhere more hopeful? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, Probably just depressing, but I don't, I don't. Maybe he's learned something from his <laughs> ventures. I don't know. It's hard. It, yeah, I think yeah, it can be interpreted anyway. I, I've personally felt like it was the lowest. It was the bo- it was the bottom of the pier. Like I sort of feel like he kills himself at this point. To be honest, right. the way he describes, like he really does. The, it's so integral to the character that you know, rightly or wrongly, he does really feel that. The CEO job is the his his purpose in life, and that he and we see him. That's the other heartbreaking thing about it is that I feel like every time we see him do it, you can argue whether or not he's a good businessman or whatever. But like he thrives in it so much, and that's why I really loved the episode six scene where he does, gives the presentation because you see him. He steps into the role, and he's just he's in his element, you know. And you yeah, see it. Yeah, that's what makes it so upsetting, you know. So the question of like, is it all over for him? At this point, because I know he, I mean, it's succession. Cause like, you can imagine like if the story were to continue, you know, in our minds, like everything would end up okay with his kids. But the other thing of course, is that where this ends though, things aren't great with his family either. That wasn't the case last time in Italy in season three, like when he was on the edge, then, you know, his kids were still there. That was sort of something you could say he still has. I don't know. That's, that's the thing that he, he doesn't have that anymore. 
but I guess the only other sort of alternative is that, like, can he do what his father suggested at the end of season three and make make something for himself now? Can he go and rest, restart the 100? Yeah, I don't know. I don't well, know. It's also ironic, like, the him, the Masson deal signifies, you know, a $2, $2 billion payout or whatever for him. Um, exactly. <laughs> he's so depressed there. Yeah. Isn't it genius how so easily you can forget that? Yeah. Like... That's how good this. That's how good the storytelling is. That the 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 most depressing ending you've ever seen. Like literally, all that happens is this man got two billion dollars. <laughs> like that's actually that's literally what happened. Um, but it sucked. It was so heartbreaking. This whole thing with Ken, it's it did change my desire to rewatch the show a little bit. Like if you'd asked me, not 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 in a negative way. Like I'm definitely going to rewatch the show tons, but. If you'd asked me before the episode, Zach, how much are you going to rewatch Succession? I would say, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bloody rewind Succession and restart it all the time. This, this was such a downer ending for me, and it, I mean, it's, it's great. It's so good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not asking for anything else. But like, it was such a downer where I'm like, it makes me a bit more hesitant. Like, can I go on this journey again, knowing where it ends like this? Hmm. Every single time, and especially knowing the ups and downs for Kendall, it's like every single up, there's the down right after, and knowing it just ends on another down, it's like, oh god. It was tough. Yeah. No, yeah. It was super. I mean, I, I was excited too for, for Kendall, but it's just. Right. I was, yeah. I was going to ask that. Yeah. At least Roman kind of. I feel like Roman kind of got a happy ending. I mean, he had a bit of relief at the end, I feel like, um, because he, uh, okay. I think in the inside the episode, they said like he, he started off as this kind of, you know, carefree playboy who was kind of peripherally like involved in the in, in the company but you know he kind of gets more involved as the season to go on but now that he's out it was just it seemed um armstrong's words were like it was like a it was like a detour in his life and now it kind of can return to be, being the funny yeah. funny the witty billionaire guy <laughs> yeah. the funny playboy guy that's interesting on 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 the podcast both um Jeremy or Jeremy Strong also said that he felt like Romans was a more positive ending. I don't know, maybe it's me. Like I feel like I'm I'm so invested in the idea of these characters becoming CEO, and maybe I shouldn't be. Like maybe the whole point of the show is that like this, the role of CEO is a dark thing, as is proven by Tom's ending. But I don't know, like I feel like the whole time I was just so invested in it that like any ending for character that isn't that mm. is still a bit depressing to me. I don't know, like uh, yeah, sure you could like you could say that Roman breaks free or whatever at the end. I get it, but like, and he gets okay. He gets to be like a a party guy now. Like, I don't know that's sort of a, to me. That's sort of a knowing this character. That's sort of maybe he'd enjoy it. I don't know. I feel like that's sort of a sad ending. I feel like that's not him fulfilling his potential. Well, you know? I feel like you know the major emotion is that it, it does suck, but I think that he'll get, he'll go from here. He'll go on to do his own weird little things with the money he's made, and you know. He, he is known to be like inventive okay. and, and playful, and I think he'll he'll end up you know succeeding mm. in some way. But okay, they're, they're just yeah. like at the end when he smiles, there there is a hint of like freedom, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, freedom is definitely the key word. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he'll go off and do his own little things. That's like <laughs> that's so Roman. He'll go off and do yeah. little little investments, little things. Um, well, do you reckon he'll invest in a rocket ship program? Mm, SpaceX. Yeah. That was so funny. He'll do that, yeah. Oh man, that's one of the best things the show's ever done. 
The guy, lo- what, the guy lost a thumb, didn't he? Isn't that all? Or something like that, I think. <laughs> yeah, no casualties, just a few, you know, $100 million. Or <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, Roman overall, yeah, that final shot for him was, there was yeah, there's a lot in all these final all these final shots. It's so purposeful. But um, throughout the episode, he was the hardest for me to read. There's a fair bit going on with him. Mm. Like the whole ending thing with him, like we're bullshit, it's all bullshit. It sort of seemed like he started to believe his dad that they couldn't do this, you know, from the start. And he sort of realizes that, like that he never had a shot at being a CEO, I guess. But then there's also the scene, like the stitches also feel symbolic in this in this whole thing to me. Like there's the weird scene that I don't really understand where Ken is hugging him. Oh really yeah, tight I didn't in really the, understand in that. Office. But I think, like I didn't think of anything of it initially. But I think that was one of the examples where Ken was doing something a little ruthless. Cause he, I think he actually like pushed him into his shoulder and like opened his. Stitch. He, he heard him. Yeah. 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 Which I didn't get the first time, but yeah. So hang on, did he like did he expose the stitches? Is that what he did? Like he like popped the thing, exposed the wound. I mean. Yeah, exposed the wound. Maybe there's something there where like that's I don't know, like symbolically, that's something that triggers like his understanding that they're bullshit or something. Like it's like almost like the truth is unveiled on his, you know, on his face or oh, know, yeah. something like that. Maybe that's stretching it. Um, just a thought. But yeah, that scene was yeah, it was tense, intense. That was sort of the only scene where I was like, that's I don't know exactly what's going on here. Well, no. But yeah, yeah. maybe something. But there was that. also like when he looks, there's a weird camera shot where he, where it's like face face up, where he's like looking himself in, in like the tray mirror, uh, like just an unusual shot. It doesn't feel right. Is he looking at himself in the mirror? Yeah, he's looking like at his stitch or something. That's when he kind of breaks down and like says like, "Why wasn't it me to yeah. Kendall?" Maybe that's actually the moment. Maybe that's his moment of liberation. Actually, like there, like maybe that's his realization. In that moment, like he's right. Why isn't it me? And then Kendall hurts him, and then I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Like he, because clearly by the time the meeting happens, he thinks it's all bullshit, and that's and yeah. he's free from that point. You know. Well, uh, there's something else that was like the, I saw in YouTube comments was like he's not necessarily saying just that um, the prospect of the siblings becoming, you know, in charge of the company was bullshit, but like. The company itself, the way news is kind of made in mm. in Waystar and, yeah, like what they own is kind of bullshit. So I didn't get that from the thing, but there could be something there as well. Um, yeah, that's true. I think the, the election episode proved that, <laughs> to be oh, honest. The election episode was great. That was like, that was like one of my favorites episodes, I reckon, yeah. Of the whole, of the whole series? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, it was like one of the most exciting episodes just like pace pacing wise and you know the freaking yeah the camera work and shit was frenetic um but well it it was like the most impactful like literal thing that happened was that they they actually like manipulated the election in this way and oh my god when they go to the Mencken speech it was so dude the actor that plays Mencken is so perfect he he like it looks like a (laughs) like an evil cartoon man he's so great and they do that little Dutch angle shot on like the monitor and it, oh, his speech, my God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah that, that episode was awesome. Like, because like part of it is it just the fact that, oh, actually that was the thing that I love most about Shiv is that when Shiv was convincing Kendall to go with Jimenez, um, she actually believes what she's saying a bit because she was against Menken 
against his um, philosophies in season yeah. three. Yeah, and that was that was a real thing um, that was a, a part of her. But she was obviously also trying to manipulate the deal for you know, so that they, um, she didn't want Macon to win because she they didn't, she didn't want the deal blocked and she wanted to go with Matson. Yeah. But the thing is, if she didn't betray Kendall and Roman in that way, you know, Kendall was pretty much going to believe her and they might have actually, um, you know, gone with Jimenez. But, you know, it also makes yeah. sense for Shiv to betray them in the first place because Kendall and Roman obviously fucked them over um, by just pushing her out of the company when Logan died. So, yeah, yeah. that was the co- like the culmination of, you know, all those fucking motivations um, that led to you know, this guy becoming president. It was really cool. Yeah, that's totally true. Isn't that isn't that fucked up? It, it, the moment when um, the, they call the election for Mencken, it felt, and, and and even before that, when Roman goes on the ATN, the news floor, and he starts like giving the anchor talking points, that the, it was just gross, man. It was gross. Like seeing firsthand how these people, well, especially how like how the TV news hosts are just like total puppets to these people. That was like mm. really. Like odd to see happen firsthand, but yeah, absolutely. Like all those motivations, how they, the ripple effects of like literal societies changing because of this shit, man. Between them, yeah, that's that's the crazy thing. And you're totally right about that because Ken, Ken was torn this whole time. That's his whole thing this episode. Because yeah, because like he first of all, I guess believes, uh, he doesn't really like making that much in the first place. But also, you know, yeah, his kids don't really suit the environment that Megan would bring up. Exactly. Yeah. And he's very concerned about that scene with him, the confessional with Shiv is a great scene when Ken's just the heartbreaking thing about that scene too to me is that like Ken is being genuinely as honest as I think he can oh, yeah, be yeah. there. And and Shiv just gives him nothing. Just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. You know? That that's that that was the the hard thing about it. But yeah, like he is deeply concerned about being perceived as a good person. I think in that, and like he wants to be a good father. And he is very considerate on what the power they have on a human level. You know, that is clearly on his mind. And he's but but then he's also honest in in bringing up the fact that he's he's insecure about the fact that Roman is close with Mencken and and how that hurts his power play dynamic as well. He he's, he brings that up. Mm. So. As you say, there's a lot going on for sure. and But, of course, Mencken, the main sort of plot thing there is that Mencken has the ability to kill the deal, which is, at this point, obviously a huge thing for Kendall. And it's obviously then when Shiv, when he realises that Shiv was lying, that's what pushes him over the edge, dude. That shot, that shot they do in the boardroom where Ken walks outside, talks to the, talks to the person, and we're inside with Shiv, mm. That's and you great, just see yeah. through the window, like, mm. <laughs> yeah, he, he walks over to Greg. And when he's like, when he's out through the window, when he's like walking across to Greg and he's like eyeing Shiv, yeah. <laughs> he's just like staring daggers at her. That was fantastic. The moment of realization, like, I can't believe you've just betrayed me like this. Because it was a, yeah, it was a significant betrayal, but it doesn't end up too well for the country, I guess. Mm. Well, that's the other thing though. Like the moment they, they declare Mencken, but we don't, we don't know who won this election. That's... That's never determined in the show. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's still up for like the the courts still have a say and stuff. By the end of it, they don't actually um, make it official. That's true. Yeah, he can still very much lose, which was sort of why I was sort of 
I mean, I guess it makes sense. I was just, I, I feel like I'm not ingrained enough in the US political system to like fully understand why ATN calling it for Mencken was so significant when polls had closed already. You know, that's maybe mm. it's like maybe perception wise, it's just really strong to have a have the one of the biggest networks say you're going to be the president, and that's just a yeah. huge thing for well, you. Well, I think because it was like a an outstanding, a thing that hasn't happened before. That it was kind of up for debate, I guess, and so the perception played like a huge yeah. role in it. I think I think that's what it has to be. It was clearly very important to Mencken that he was declared, so that makes sense for sure. That's, well, that's the other thing with them declaring Mencken. Well, first of all, like you said, there's the quick shot in the episode where like other networks are already like immediately challenging it, like saying, "I think there was that quick shot where it's like Tom Wamsgans is like you know trying to do a hit piece on him for doing it, basically." Mm. Um, so like clearly, I'm just saying clearly other like. It's not like in the world everyone believed Mencken was president because they said so. Like, clearly there was immediate doubt by literally everyone else. But that's the other thing I really liked about that choice and then leading into episode nine as well was the fact that I feel like it was the first time, which is really important because as we talked about, it's like it's so integral to their motivations, but it's so tied to their motivations, I mean. But it it really was sort of this whole election was really the first time we see like the the huge real world ramifications their choices have. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that was you the know, main thing in terms yeah. of the rights and everything. It was like that. That was almost like what the show was leading up to, especially you know, in season three, they did the, it wasn't called a convention, but it was like a semi, it was a semi convention thing where they like chose who they wanted to be the nominee for Republicans. So, yeah, exactly. So we see it there for sure. Like we see their power plays and of course, you know, the president's alluded to a lot throughout the show, but it, it seeing like, especially the final scene of episode nine where Roman goes on the ground and starts literally like the, the streets are in chaos, you know, and everyone starts beating the shit out of each other. And like, that's the first time like you see the ground level results of what they've done. You know, like there's literally, there's literally rights in the streets because of them at this point. And that's, the show's never done anything like that. So that was something I really liked that this season did actually. It was sort of made everything feel that little bit more consequential as well. Um oh we we can talk about episode nine if you uh if you like. Yeah. This scene uh, this whole this whole episode was phenomenal as well. I mean they're all phenomenal. I don't even have to bother saying that really. But the speeches were were fantastic. Mm. Ewan's speech was really interesting when he was talking about Logan carrying the guilt of, of uh, potentially accidentally causing the death of their sister was really interesting. That's another little layer to the character we've never had. Yeah. So and the fact that, that like, his, Logan's uncle, like, insisted that he did kill the sister, which, yeah, they didn't know if he actually did. Yeah, but the, traumatizing. It was the fact that the uncle, like, uh, kept insisting on it, like, kept yeah, telling him that. Yeah, that, that's that's hard. And, and that, that's why the show is so good and why all the characters are so fleshed out and you know there's these are the least paper thin characters you've ever seen there's so much to all of them the sort of closest thing i can think of we've had that sort of achieves this for logan in the past was the the shot at the end of i think it was episode seven of season one somewhere around there um the shot at the end where of that episode when logan's got like lashes on his back when he gets into the oh yeah yeah The, the scars like that's that was a really striking image at that time and that's sort of the first time I think they really allude to like, you know, there's some past, there's some, there's some pretty messed up stuff in his past. And uh, they bring that back up again here. 
So that's always really interesting to learn about that with Logan and it always just sort of paints the yeah. way you, you, you view him differently in the future, always. Yeah. Well, the fact that they like reveal that in the second last episode is kind of like almost set up for like finishing the the you know the you're not serious people through line because you know it makes you realize how yeah. i guess intense and like different logan's life was to theirs growing up and stuff and how he like had to go through way more than than they ever did and stuff so that's really true i didn't even think of that that's totally true that definitely adds to the line for sure you've just lived on my money for all these years yeah that's true also, huge shout out, by the way, um, Shiv and Ken's speeches were, were really good too, but Kieran Culkin's performance actually here where, where he breaks down up on the, up on the stand. Mm. So, so that, you know, Kieran's fantastic, comedically fantastic and dramatically, totally like, you know, I, I definitely don't want to write Kieran off in this show as just being the funny guy or anything. He's fantastic overall, but this was the most like emotionally raw he's ever really been. And yeah, just the way he totally loses it when he's like... <laughs> He definitely didn't pre-grieve. I'll put it that way. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but he kept insisting that, and it was such a great contrast to the start of the episode um, when he's you know walking around his apartment, super confident about, oh yeah, I'm gonna make this cool ass speech today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking kill mm. it. I'm the man. I am the man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Literally. Yeah. So that was a really that was that was a really fun part of the episode too. It was cool how they had the effects of the election, like, in the background, how, like, everything was on gridlock or whatever, you know, which obviously by the end of the episode yeah, uh, yeah. we see more of, but, yeah. It's cool how they hinted it early on. Greg riding his bike. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's great. Yeah, and Kendall, the, the whole scene with Kendall being a dick to his kids and to Jess mm. at the start too, when, like, the whole, the whole, the whole city's, like, like usually I'm like I'm on Kendall's side when it comes to like social media stuff but like it was so funny when like the whole city's clearly on lockdown and he's like trying to tell Rava like uh uh you, you know you, social media you know you're not getting the full context of this you know when like clearly the city's oh. messed up and she has a right and no and who they are she has a right to feel like they, her kids aren't safe um do you want to jump to so for you I know um you really liked episode five too. Was that your second favorite? Would you say uh, Norway? The kill list. Oh, kill list. Yeah, I really liked episode five. This was like, I mean, Skarsgård gets bloody plenty of screen time to shine throughout the whole thing, but this was like, a, this was great Skarsgård's content in this episode for sure. The whole scene on the mountaintop. Oh yeah. Um, when the deal, well, the negotiation falls apart was really strong. Yeah, Roman's like speech to Skarsgård that was really strong. And like, yeah, I fucking hate you. Yeah. In general, just the, I don't know, just like the, mm, the intimidating kind of superiority of them, the way they kind of bully, you know, Tom and Greg in that episode, and you know, Kendall finally deciding to say fuck it, we'll just try this on our on our own. You know, a lot happened in this episode. It was, and the you know landscape was really nice as well. In what was it? Sweden, Norway? Norway? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're all the same. Yeah, yeah. As Tom Whatever. Said. Yeah, they're, they're, sw- they're Swedish. Yeah, Tom, so right. They're Swedish, but they're in Norway. Mm. Back to the finale quickly. How did you feel about Tom saving Greg in the end? I was sort of surprised he did that. But you, you mentioned that they were basically just friends at the end. Do you think that's all? That's what it was? Like, at this point, they're just, they're just bros. 
it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. It felt right for sure. I just didn't really know. Yeah. Well, I, I knew Greg betrayed betrayed them in the sense that you know, they, they told him that it, it wasn't going to be Shiv and all that. But I, I, I don't feel like Greg was ever really in too much trouble. In too much trouble. I don't know. Like he just has a way of getting out of things and people always kind of think he's kind of, you know, innocent or whatever. And he, yeah, I feel like he is protected by Tom because they are like, they know each other so well at this point. And who, who, who else is Tom going to, you know, mm. talk to in the company? He's not going to talk to Matson's number two guy or whatever. He's not going to talk to Frank or Carl. Yeah, gonna fire exactly. Him, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Root Frank and Carl though. They got their golden parachutes though. I don't think they really care. Yeah. But yeah. That should be happy. Yeah. Overall, my favorite episode, man, for me, it's a toss up between. It's a toss up between the Honeymoon States, which is uh, episode four, the fallout of Logan's death in his apartment. Just a phenomenal episode, man. The drama, like everything of trying to figure out who's who's next. And oh, we've already talked about it in the past, but the whole like, is Ken's name underlined or not oh, crossed yeah. out? It's just such a great idea. <laughs> Whoever thought of that, it's a genius idea in the writing. And how that's such a strong motivator for him in the episode. Uh, a part of the episode that I feel like is easy to brush over, and I thought was a really nice inclusion that comes back in episode nine, was how the season deals with Carrie, actually, as a character. Because, I mean, she's sort of a comedic character. Well, not she's not a comedic person, but like she sort of played in more humorous moments earlier on for being like Logan's new mistress or whatever, which is sort of funny and like the kids make fun of it and stuff. But the way like she stumbles into the apartment and it's just really sad, you know? And I, I, I was Roman especially felt for her in that moment. I was, I was on his side. I was like, you know, at the end of the day, you can say what you want about the situation, but like in terms of their, her and Logan's relationship, but like, you know, she's a person that probably you know, shared a lot of time with Logan and probably cared about him on some level. I don't know how deeply, but you know, and for it to sort of then just be basically as um, I can't remember if, who says it. If Colin says it, like you know, take her out back. <laughs> to basically then just be discarded by this family the second he drops dead. It's pretty. Mm. It's pretty sad. So I liked how they how they handled that and how Caroline in episode nine ended up oh, yeah. coming back. And, the squad, yeah. The squad, yeah. The Logan's ex's squad, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's an example of like something that's it's kind of heartfelt, but also just hilarious. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The other one I was tossing up between, dude, I loved this episode. I loved Living Plus, episode six. It's one of the two is my favorite of the season. Like seeing them for the first time actually sort of be co-CEOs. You know, when Roman goes to the movie studio, they they got a big kick out of me. It It was just really exciting. And see them kind of, I'm not like the best person to objectively analyze this stuff, but like they're kind of terrible at it. They kind of seem really bad at it. You know, like the way right. Roman fires Jerry, of course, is one thing. And um, and Ken inflating all the numbers is pretty funny. Just going, oh, you, uh, 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 scale, bigger, scale, with scale, you know. <laughs> Just like all that sort of shit. It, it's, you know, probably really bad business. But it, it also represents just another classic Kendall moment of the the lows and the highs and the roller coaster of the speech, you know. And it's like. Oh my God, Roman's pulling out. It's going to be a disaster. This speech is going to suck. He's lying there. He's, you know, he's manipulating his father's words in front of everyone. Like, oh, it's going to absolutely, but he, he pulls through and he does it, you know, and yeah, oh, 
it's it's just so satisfying. You know, it, even though like it's probably really bad for the company, but like in terms of like all the shitty pulls in it, but it's just so satisfying to see him pull through and all the commentary from the from the family and everyone and all the business guys up watching the speech was so funny, man. Like they're all just like cringing and losing their minds watching it. It was just hilarious. But Ken, of course, is you know, as a not as definitely not as always, but as he often does, actually has the goods in the role sometimes. So that's why I found that one that one particularly awesome. Yeah. He's not bad at speeches. Season two ending as well. Yes. Oh, what a great ending that is. Oh, wow. I just want to rewatch it all now. When Greg has to edit Logan's voice, oh, that's just, yeah. that's good stuff. We, You know, you could talk, name like a top 30 every episode, I'm well aware, but were there any like standout gags we haven't talked about this season because the show can't be understated how funny it is. Shout out to Connor's, uh, uh, what's it called when you quit being, what's it called? Your speech? Yeah. What's the word? We need, uh, Jane would get this when in like you, two seconds. Yeah, I know. When you admit that you lost the presidency, whatever, whatever that is. Concession speech, right? Or something like that. Is that it? That sounds right, but wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, concession, yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah, his concession speech was really good. I really enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, the con heads. When the he's con like, heads are going to love this, yeah. <laughs> the con heads, yes. God bless Connor. Oh, yeah, I love Connor. I think if I rewatch the show, I'd just like look forward to Connor at every, you know, turn. He doesn't have a bad ending, so yeah, it's all good. Exactly. He has the best ending. You know, he actually tries to do something for himself and run for president of the United States. I mean, I, yeah, he's, I guess he's, he's, yeah. he's a billionaire. Oh. He's got, he's got a loving partner. Yeah. Well, that that was that was rocky for a while, but it ended up that he way. He owns I think. like this, you know, wine valley where he. Decants the wine oh, yeah. or double decants or whatever. What, what is it again that he? Well, the funeral speech is legendary in season two. What does he say again exactly? It's like oh, he, he is mer- dead or he, something. What is it again? He was a man. <laughs> we will all die one day. In this case, it is Lester who has done so. <laughs> all men will die one day. Yeah. Oh god, oh, that was so god. funny. Who are your? I guess it's. It's up to you who you want to categorize as this, but who are your favorite and least favorite side characters in the show? You know, I'm talking about I'm talking about the Stewies, the Jerrys, mm. the Carls of the world. You know what I mean? Is Connor? I don't think Connor's a side character, right? No, I feel like if you're on the posters, you don't count. Okay, and he's on Connor's on posters. Yeah. Um, Stewie Stewie's pretty fun. I like Stewie. Stewie is fun. Um, who don't I like? I don't, Carl, I guess. I, I don't like Carl that much. You know, oh, I no, Carl sucks. I can't really yeah, read totally. Carl. Yeah. <laughs> Carl sucks, man. He's always the one that's just like, just goes for the easiest like option that's just going to get him the most money and so he can get out as soon as possible, like every single time. Mm, I guess so, yeah. He, he is a very, the guy who plays him, it is very funny though. Like whenever he's in scenes with like Frank and Jerry and he's always just like, he's trying to do the thing where he's like diplomatically trying to say what they yeah. should do. And like, you know, he's trying to hide what he's really saying, but it's just super obvious what he wants. Mm. Like, but like when they're all basically, like when they're all fighting over who's going to tell Logan and none of them want to tell him. It's like, well, uh, you're not, you're, you're the, you're the chief financial officer, Carl. Or, oh, well, you're more across the issue. You yeah, know? <laughs> and all yeah. that sort of banter is just really funny. Um, oh, Hugo. 
He's a bit of a slimy oh, fucker. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you, um, I can't remember who said it. One of the actors said in one of the podcasts that um, the guy who plays Hugo, he's always got his phone out because all his lines are on his phone. He just reads his lines <laughs> off his really? phone. Really? Because he can't remember the lines. <laughs> yeah. Apparently there's an issue where he can't remember lines. But he, no, he's good in the show for sure. I don't know. There's a lot. I feel like, especially towards the end, I'm not, I'm not a big Marsha fan, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I don't know. No. She never at the start at the start when she was sort of mysterious and she you were sort of didn't you were sort of reading into like what's she really doing here and like the siblings all didn't know her motivations and stuff. I sort of thought they might have ended up sort of giving I don't know if for redemption's the right word, but sort of ended up revealing stuff with her that ended up being like, Oh, I understand you more now and you're nicer. But no, they never did and she just kind of yeah, she's just kinda of cold. I think you just realise you're just like a player like everyone else and it's kinda of like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Exactly. You like you think there's more to it, but there actually just isn't. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I love Peter. Peter Munyan. Who's that? <laughs> Caroline's. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my god! When they're all super rude to him at the dinner, it was great. Mm. What was his last line? I think his last line was that there's was a waste, waste of fucking time. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <right. laughs> that's how he felt about his whole role in the show. He, uh-huh. <laughs> Like, I was trying to manipulate these kids, but it was just a waste of time. Oh, I love oh in the funeral where he's like, dad's here, you know? He's like the stepdad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so cringe, man. Oh, my God. This show, man, it's it's the best cringe you've ever experienced, you know? Mm. Just all throughout the whole thing. Oh, man. All right. I think we sort of covered it, actually, surprisingly. Wow. Look at us go. Amazing. Well, I mean, I say we covered it. We didn't really. This show's way too in-depth, but, like, you know, we covered it to the to the. <laughs> probably the best of our ability were there any top episodes overall now that the whole show's done are there any top episodes that we haven't mentioned like from earlier seasons yeah like really uh, i think right like the first board meeting like whose side are you on when literally all kingdom needed was roman's vote to become ceo which kind of mirrors like um this last the, the finale that was one of the most like conventionally exciting succession episodes, and then I think season three, the finale there, where Kendall tells them they killed a bro- they, uh, that he killed the kid, and that then they, they all like come together and get betrayed by Tom. I think that was really great. Yeah, no, that's a great choice. No, yeah, the the season one one you mentioned, the board meeting is probably my favorite episode of the whole show. Mm, yeah. Um, it's going to take me rewatches to like fully process some of the newer stuff, though. Yeah, season two finale is phenomenal, man. Oh yeah, God, the release at the end is just so incredible, so satisfying. That that was one thing actually interesting about the finale: how the Kendall killing the kid came back up in a really important way, which makes perfect sense. It should, and how he basically in that moment, like he lied about it. You know, he said he basically tried to pretend he made the whole thing up. Mm, yeah, it was like desperate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was just a desperate, desperate final play, which was sort of that. That was sad to see him go to that level. But yeah, um, also I th- thought it was interesting in that scene when um, Roman brings up that Logan thought his grandkids didn't view his grandkids. Oh as yeah, legitimate. I thought. An, uh, uh, w- w- was there any evidence to that beforehand? No, uh, I can't remember. But like initially, I thought he was talking about Kendall, but he was obviously talking about the kids. But like, yeah, it was yeah. something that might have been mentioned but it was kind of like a harsh final blow yeah really harsh i didn't even know ken's kids were adopted to be honest 
Um, I don't, I don't know. I think he said like that one of them was like, you know, they go from like a, like a clinic or something. I don't know, like a you know half in the clinic, like a sperm clinic or whatever. Yeah, but I don't know. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So something like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know Logan didn't like have the best relationship with his grandkids. Like, I know obviously he hit the boy in season one. I, they mentioned that they mentioned a few times that you know he never hugged his grandkids or whatever. But yeah, I know that was just a new wrinkle to it. I wonder how true that is if that's Roman just taking a dig or mm. there might be some element of truth to it. Unfortunately. All right, let's get to our final verdicts for Succession season four. It is also I, I just do want to quickly point out that I feel like we we talked about it a little bit, but this show is just so good in terms of its storytelling that like it's so we just focus on the story so much that like. I don't want to brush over how amazing the acting is, how amazing the cinematography is and all the technical elements are. It's so impressive. But it's just because it's it's almost so good that you don't even notice it because it elevates the story so much that you just end up thinking about the story like mm. before you even get to the rest of it, you know? So that's why. But it's also incredible. Anyway, Fitzy, what are you doing? Oh, 10 out of 10, mate. The whole show is a 10 out of 10, No doubt. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give, uh, I'll give Succession Season 4 a strong 7, actually. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, this shit's a 10 out of 10, no doubt. This whole show's a 10 out of 10, 100%. It's so good. But is it a show that you'd recommend to anyone, you know? Mm. Well, we had this conversation about whether Jaden would enjoy it. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I don't, I don't know. I think it, it might actually be, it might be a bit of an acquired taste, but I'm not sure because like my mum and dad seem to, Hmm. enjoy it they're, they're not into business shit so I don't, I don't think it's that but the characters okay. are you know pretty objectively terrible so maybe there's a barrier there but yeah yeah that is true that is true and that that is one thing that i feel like maybe not that i'm different but like i, I view the show in a different i feel like you're sort of on two sides with succession in terms of people who watch it maybe I don't know if you feel this. I feel like there's the people who watch Succession, like rooting for the characters to fail, like and being entertained by it, and like see. I'm not saying they don't see redeeming quality in the characters. I'm not saying that, but like overall, they see the characters as bad people, and they want to see what happens to them. And then there's the people who like genuinely like are super invested and love and like you know can recognize sort of the other way around, recognize their faults, but like really like these people and like really care about them. Mm. I'm I'm that person. Like, yeah, I feel they're not great. I'm not going to say they're great people. Yeah, but I'm like, I, I really care about all of them, like genuinely, not not in a way for like I want to see them fail or what anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I would recommend obviously everyone to give it a shot. Yeah, I don't think like the first season is like slow or anything. It's probably like no, the most accessible as well. Like it's just like super sharp comedically and there's just lots of fucking great Logan shit in the first season. So, yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel that way at all watching it. I was, I really enjoyed episode one, you know, still obviously learning who the characters are. And then, dude, by episode three and four, like I was, I was, I may as well have been watching the show for 10 seasons at that point. Like I just fully understood it was fully in. Season one's a great starting point, you know? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, we've gone long enough. I'm happy with that. That's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Oh, Fitzy, here you go. Get excited. <laughs> what, what are we doing next week? Uh uh, um, I've got no clue. What is it? Tell me. Well, assuming, again, the episode number, 
I don't know if it turns out that way. You don't know what can happen in four weeks, you know. Some random shit happens. The world explodes. I don't know. Mm. But if this ends up being episode 161 as planned and the schedule happens as planned, then we should be doing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh, really? Oh, I was just assumed because... Yeah, going to the theatre. It wasn't the end of the month. Okay, yeah. Just, yeah, the theatre timing that it ended up being. Well, that's cool. Well, yeah, if you're going to watch Dawn <laughs> yeah. of Destiny, it's not on Stan, no Fox Show, on Netflix, but it's at, at the cinemas. So, Indeed, that's where it is. We already stuffed up the whole Indiana Jones thing with the timing of it anyway, so. Yeah. Who Whatever. Cares? Who cares? Fuck off. Fuck off. Exactly. Stop buzzing in my fucking ear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. I feel like all the characters sort of have, a, have like a phrase that they like – that's perfectly them that they say a lot. You know, obviously Logan's is fuck off. Mm. Like, I feel like Kendall's is, I feel like Kendall's is sure, you know, sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Sure. Um, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, she's, you know, uh, bigger. Sure. Yeah. You know, bro, like, but I feel like she, she is also, uh-huh, but she draws it out. She's like, uh-huh. Uh huh. Like you know, she mm. does that a lot. I feel like, yeah. And then Roman has just yeah. like a million quips. I don't know. I don't know if he has a, has a specific. Oh yeah. Line, but yeah. My favorite is 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 Roman doing the British accent. That's hilarious. Mm. Anyway, let's get out of here. Let's get yeah. out of here. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week, and goodbye.